For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it's my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So two questions here. Who's involved in this partnership that we've read about? And how does partnership feel? What does it feel like? What, is, what are we hoping that advance will increasingly feel like? This, our partnership, our family, our movement of churches, our collective of, of churches wanting to partner together to see the gospel go further and deeper in our generation in the earth. What can we learn from this? What do we see here? Well, who's involved? First one is a very tidy little economical helpful picture of the different partners involved in a partnership. First up, I'm very grateful for this, we've got Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. He said, Paul and uh, Timothy are identified as servants of Jesus Christ. They're not just doing their random own thing, they're serving Christ. It's grace and peace from Jesus to this church. This church in Philippi is in Christ. The first partner, first partner in this partnership is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. We get to join with God. Not as just the sons and daughters in his family, but on his mission. That makes us very humble and very confident. That's the climate of partnership with Jesus. Real humility, because we're on his team. Real confidence, why? Because we're on his team. He's over all. He's in all. He's holding everything together. He's over. So the first partner, we can say Jesus is over. Then the next group are inside the local church. Saints generic phrase for believers overseers aka elders deacons servant leaders saying the congregation and the leaders of that congregation we've got Jesus we've got local churches and then we've got these two characters uh, Paul and Timothy and if you read further to chapter 2 you'll read about a man called Epaphroditus who was also involved strengthening this local church in Philippi. You've got Jesus, galactic rule and reign. You've got those who are working locally in the church. And then you've got Paul and Timothy. They had local bases, but they were doing a bit of what we're doing is they're helping trance locally across locals, helping locals do better locally and locals do better together. How did Paul and Timothy and Epaphroditus work? Well, they knew the church. They communicated to the church. Resources, this amazing uh, epistle that we're reading. They did gatherings, no doubt. The Apostle Paul isn't alive today. Apostolic ministry isn't exactly the same as ministry when he did it. Ephesians 4 gifts, some of them in the, in the uh, New Testament, were clearly foundational, ultimately foundational laying gifts. Paul pulled an authority with some churches that wouldn't be appropriate today. Paul was, sometimes he, he seemed to impose truth and authority as was appropriate with his massive big A calling. He was also invited in. Uh, today we would feel that local elders, saints, elders, deacons, invite help 
ask, say, yeah, we want to be part of partnership. No one's in this room because they have to be in this room. We're here together because we want to do the mission of Jesus, and we recognize grace on one another to be able to help us and our church go further. I'm interested that the Apostle Paul sometimes um, uh, explains uh, that sometimes he, he just played the card, I am an apostle sent from Jesus, says Paul. And at other times he was a lot, he took a different tone altogether, like with the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 9. He said, um, Are you not my workmanship in the Lord? He said, I'm working with you as a local church. If to others I'm not an apostle, at least I am to you, because you're the seal of my apostleship. He, this is even the great apostle Paul. He's saying to the church in Corinth, you know, some other churches, they don't, I don't help them. They don't recognize any apostolic gift in me. But to you, I am apostolic because I'm helping work. You're my workmanship. And I want you to know we've got quite a, I hope it's an appropriately, um, I hope it's significant, but it's not, over, we don't press this too much. We do recognize that people have different spiritual gifts today apostolic gifting, prophetic gifting, evangelistic gifting. God knows we need that. Man, we need that. We need pastor and teacher gifting. We need that. But, but it, the, the way we think of it is it's gifting from heaven, but it's functional. We do it because we work together. We're not imposing anything on anything, we're just saying we've got one life. We've got gifts from God. We've got a world that doesn't know Jesus. God gives gifts to his body. Whatever gifts we've got, let's get them in the room together. Get them in the right configuration and move forward for the glory of God. We're not claiming anything beyond that. We're claiming the glory of Jesus. We're honoring gifts that he gives. And we're humbly trying to work it out together. How does partnership feel? <laughs> let's just allow our eyes to just to slide down these verses the first thing that partnership feels like is it feels like Jesus is at the center it's a partnership in the gospel it's not a partnership to make us feel better it's not, it's not a fundamentally a partnership that's just kind of therapeutic to each other oh we're not alone this is a partnership in the gospel of Jesus someone asked me recently if we use the phrase um, joining uh, uh, advance or what phrase do we uh, use uh, for that? And we say, yeah, we don't mind if that word's used occasionally, but the one we go for is partner. And I know you've got to explain any term you use, but <laughs> thus let it be explained. We're partnering in the gospel of Jesus. That, well, that's why we're together in this room. Because of Jesus, who is the gospel, Mark 1 verse 1 tells us, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the gospel is the good news of God to man through Jesus Christ. We're together for that. That's what we're together for. That's what defines us. If you want a quick definition of advance, it's people joining together to advance the gospel. How? Through planting and strengthening churches. We partner in the gospel. And Paul says of the gospel that it's God's work. Verse 6, he says, He who began this work. I love partnering together in something that God's doing. Not that we started, that he's doing and we get to join in. He says it's God's work. He says it's a good work. He just says it. It's a good work. What a pleasure to be partnering together in a work that's good. Never doubt the goodness of God in your life. Never doubt the goodness. Never doubt the goodness of what we do 
as local churches in our localities and what we seek to do in the nations together. And it's a certain work. He said, this work will be completed in the day of Christ. I love partnering around God's work, which is a good work, and he's going to complete it. What does the future hold? (laughs) God's work, good work, a completed work. We're not accidents waiting to happen. Our churches aren't houses of cards about to collapse. I know as 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 a partnership, we're very small. We're about 75 or 80 churches or congregations. We have nearly 25 church plants on the go or just about to start. Very, very small. But it's God's work. It's a good work. And he will complete it and he will grow it. He's at work. We've joined him. And this gospel is designed to be partnered in. The gospel message is too enjoyable to be enjoyed alone. Don't you love it? Don't you love it when songs and conversations and prophetic words, guys like my friend Grant who can't sing. (laughs) You know, I I just love it. When Grant was singing, you know, I didn't know what he was singing, so he was singing in a tongue, right? But he's this big Grant, his name's Grant Van Skullfake. And, and as he was singing, I just thought, oh, wow, God, God it's, it's this thing, we're not into a macho thing. We're into what's appropriately masculine for men. But this is a man who can't really sing it in tune, yet he's singing to you. You know, we say things like, lose your, lose your reputation for Jesus. That helped, it just how he, no matter what he said, it helped me. You know? Grant, sorry, that was meant to be like a sacred moment for us all, not a ripping you, you know. You know, you go a bit out of, I don't, I, I don't mind if we go out of key. I just want us to be men and women who love singing to Jesus, you know. You know. And this other dude with a beard, he starts singing about tenderness, real tenderness with Jesus. This, this gospel is remarkable. You know. I could nearly go home satisfied now, quite now. Not quite, but just already. We're being helped. It's too enjoyable to be enjoyed alone. The gospel mission is too expansive to be attempted alone. God's word to your church is Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Part of the reason why we're in this room together is we feel we can't even do our own Jerusalems without each other's help. Let alone to the ends of the earth. But together we can. How does it feel? Well, let's let our eyes slide. He speaks of thankful remembrance, joy, and gratitude. I know not all of us know each other well yet, but a lot of us know each other really well already. And it's just so moving and joyful being around each other and being connected. The privilege of praying together. Notice he speaks about that, the privilege of praying for each other. We're carving out two prayer slots today for praying for each other. It's what we do. It's what we do. What a privilege. Uh, he, he says, um, from the first day until now. The first day speaks of, I think, the day that they came to Christ. For those of us here who have already come to Christ and believed in him, you'll, you'll remember that there was a day or a month or a year or it was about then, but it was then. There was a time that your journey of true belief, repentance and acknowledgement of Jesus, there was a moment, a day that that started. And for those who are still exploring faith... You will find, God willing, 
we're willing, I hope you're willing, you'll find that there's, there's a day that the, the bulb goes on and you say, Jesus Christ is not just a good man, he's truly the Lord of all. And it may be today, I hope it's today. It could be tomorrow in church, it could be Monday night when you're having a cup of coffee with your friends. God will help you take that step, take it. The first day until now. But it, Paul's also talking about there was a day that we came into connection. There's uh, men and women here. I came into connection with them over 20 years ago. And we're still in the same room together. Putting up with each other. Enjoying each other. The, the, and there's some of us who feel, well, we want to be part of this partnership, but we don't know too many people. Part of the cool things about partnership is you get to know people as the months and years go by. We do smaller gatherings, church, just churches, helping churches, church leaders, eldership teams, big, bigger gatherings like this. And maybe at first it's like, I feel at home, but I don't know very many people. Before long, it's I feel at home and I know some people. And, and, and the thrill is, I've, I've, I've heard us say before, some of us, one of the reasons we want to be part of a global partnership is because we want our kids to grow up with a global family. The privilege of our kids having friends in Australia and Asia and across Africa and America and Europe and UK. Our kids, we can, we can raise them up in there. And, and those of us who are parents, if we can get our kids motoring in this stuff by, say, the age of 20, and God gives them another 60 years to the age of 80, which is two books of Acts. The book of Acts takes about... 30 years, if we can get our kids pumping for Jesus, pumping for his mission by age 20, they've got two books of Acts left in them. They've got a global family to enjoy, not just the Father in heaven. They've got the privilege of seeing the gospel advance across the nations. Partnership is a precious thing. Affection. He yearns for them with the affection of Jesus. Some of us have been together since Monday this week. There's been a lot of affection. There's been laughter. There's been tears. It's affection. A yearning for each other. Just want to do a shout out our brothers and sisters from Newcastle. Thank you so much for being the ones to travel mostly. Honestly, we don't know what to do. We thought, should we do this thing in Newcastle just so you know that we love you? And then we just thought, bang for buck at the moment, it's not the right thing to do. But there's a real yearning and affection for you in Newcastle. Thoughts about planting in Manchester. You're not just the guys up north, you're our brothers and sisters. So proud of you, we think you're amazing, we want to do anything we can to help you. We yearn for you and your success in God. Notice how uh, there was a receiving of affirmation and courage from each other. What's the exact phrase? Yeah, he, Paul, it's just so nice. He says, I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you, he's going to bring it to completion. Obviously, that's, this is the word of the Lord, but when we take that word and we say it to each other, Vic and Tanya have re relocated to Canada just just recently. They're in the first year of leading this this, this church that's just needing the life of God on it. Vic and Tanya, I don't know where, you, where you're sitting. We, we just want you to know this is God's word. God started that church. We are sure of this. We want you to be freshly sure that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. We just want you to know that. Can we all murmur, Vic and Tanya, know that? 
That's what we do in the park. It's just murmur, Wiccantanian. Know that. Know that. Be affirmed in that. <laughs> he says we're co-heirs of grace. Um, he says we're partakers together of grace. Grace is the great joiner. You know, I know we have different roles and, and that kind of thing, but we're, we are brothers and sisters. We don't have airs and graces over each other in, in that sense. We're brothers and sisters. And some of us, our ministry looks like that. Some of us looks like this. We're, we're, all, we're only together because of the grace of God. There's no hierarchy in the grace of God. <laughs> we were all sinners. Now we're all righteous ones in the grace of God. Heirs of grace. That's why we feel like a family. That's why it doesn't feel hierarchical. We honor and we help and we love and, and all that, that kind of stuff. But we're co-heirs of grace. We're secure in our own contexts. Why? Because of grace. We're secure in our own measure of success. Why? Well, it's the Lord who brings success, not man. So when we hear a story of, you know, like Donnie Griggs's church as their latest site plant kicked off with 240 adults, we don't go, we don't go oh, oh, that's nothing like us. We, we just think, glorious. 250, that's wonderful. What, what, what I do in my context is completely different to what happens there. But it's not just contextual. Some of us are more gifted than others. And when we recognize that, the gifting, we don't go, oh, he's so gifted and I feel so small. We go, that's wonderful. Look at that. We don't even think about ourselves. So we're all in the grace of God. It's, it's God has given gifts over there. That's great. God's given gifts here. Grace is the wonderful leveler, but it's not meant to cut down, you know, the tall trees. Grace brings gifts, and we celebrate in that. Grace brings security. We learn together. We have different challenges together. Co-heirs of grace. Seasons are different. Some of us have been given a season to walk on earth that will, look, will seem to be less fruitful than the season that God has given other people in other places. We don't unhelpfully compare. We just rest in the grace of God and delight in the grace of God. Delight in faithfulness there. Delight in fruitfulness there. There's no higher delight than the grace of God anyway. He speaks about confirming truth and calling. Confirmation of the gospel. His imprisonment was about that and implied in that is you are learning from that. We help. Is that true? Are you bending that doctrine? Are you missing foundational truth? How are you doing in your calling? Oh, I don't know if I'm called to this anymore. Maybe I should become a, maybe I should become a, a uh, motivational speaker. No, don't become a motivational speaker. Chatted to a brother earlier this week. He said, oh, so tough. Maybe I should go into motivational speaking. You know who you are. Don't go into motivational speaking. Want to confirm you in the gospel, brother. Be confirmed. Be affirmed. Want to defend. Stand in your defense. No, keep going. You are called. He boosts. Partnership is about boosting um, heads and hearts. Some of us are naturally more heady. And so when more spirity things happen in our partnership, we... We, we go, this helps me, not I don't fit. 
I don't want to fit. I always want to be around brothers and sisters who I feel stretched. And some of us are more, you know, off with the, the fairies. <laughs> and, and we hear... We hear truth, and we don't go, oh, I don't fit. We go, oh, this is so good. This is so good. I need to be reshaped, not I don't fit. Advance shouldn't look like, this gathering shouldn't look identical to your Sunday meeting. This This is not a practice Sunday meeting. We're flipping dangerous men and women who've driven to Southampton on a Saturday, flown here for hours. We're cramming stuff in. We're calling on heaven. We're building up leaders. It's not a Sunday meeting. There will be hopefully major similarities to a Sunday meeting, but it's not. We we don't look and feel the same exactly. But we boost head and heart, knowledge, discernment, love. We boost purity. The word used here for purity is is from the original word unmixed. We help unmix each other. We say, what are you doing even looking at that? Don't think about that. Don't be mixed. Fix fix your eyes on Jesus. We can help each other in that. We boost anticipation for Christ's return. He speaks about that day, that great day, when when we're going to be praying for brothers and sisters as the, as, as the hours go by, what's going to happen in our hearts is I want to live for that great day. I don't want to live for temporary things. I want to live for that great day. We're stirred by partnership. That's what it feels like. Advan- uh, section number two, verse 12 to 26, the advance of the gospel. I want you to know, brothers... This is Paul in chains. Think about that. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to what? I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers... Having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. We'll carry on in a minute, but I just want to... No, I'm going to stop using the word just. I don't just. I want to honor and encourage Greg and Ruth Haslam. Now, you don't need to say anything. You can just keep sitting where you're sitting. But as I was preparing this, I felt that there's a, a word that you need to hear from God in the presence of, of many witnesses today. Just where are you guys? Can you just, just so I can direct it. And, um, Greg and Ruth have been servants of the kingdom of God, uh, lovers of Jesus for decades. They're in their 60s uh, for the last... Um, 10 to 15 years, I think about 13 to 14 years, Greg's latest assignment has been um, leading Westminster Chapel, formerly led by R.T. Kendall, formerly led by Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones. And Greg, amongst um, evangelicals in the UK and the wider New Frontiers family, has, has been a, a nothing short of a giant uh, over the years. And Greg, I 
Greg and Ruth, with your recent move, they're no longer leading Westminster Chapel, Greg, because of health reasons. And uh, he's not able to preach. I felt, I felt your father would want to say to you that what has happened to you has, will really serve to advance the gospel. This prison that you might feel you've been put in. I'm, I'm so glad that Paul went to prison and he wrote Philippians. I'm so glad I'm a beneficiary of Paul not preaching but having to write. And Greg and Ruth, I feel the Lord would want you to know without any shadow of doubt that this next season is about the advance of the gospel. Your previous season was about the advance of the gospel and the one before that was about the advance of the gospel. So too this next season is about the advance of the gospel. And there are chains that actually unlock the gospel. So that it has become known throughout the whole palace imperial guard, you're going to find fruitfulness in one-on-one advance of the gospel, personal advance of the gospel. You're going to find yourself saying, I'm a way better evangelist outside of the pulpit than I ever was in the pulpit. And to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. You know, we don't want to put any pressure on you, but we've watched you for decades. We're watching you again in this next season. And we know that you're imprisonment which actually is means advance for the gospel we're going to celebrate it with you and watch it with you and we want to say to you as your brothers and sisters in Christ know that God is with you and know that this is a is going to be a very fruitful next season God will bind you up your emotions I, you know I I and I feel for you but I want it to be about faith not not feeling and um We've got you a watch. I love boss watches. We've got you a pen. And uh, we, we believe the Lord would say to you, it's time to write. Grace, do you want to just take that? Oh, actually, I don't want to do it. It's time to write. Maybe there are just one or two others. This is completely unplanned. But if you want to just say just a little short thing, just to honor and affirm, prophesy or encourage, it's kind of two sides of the same, same coin. You're just welcome to do that. Just stand up and speak out with a loud voice or use a mic. around with it, yeah. 
I don't know you at all. Never met you. I've heard rumors of you. <laughs> I know the church that you, you've led. It's legacy. But I do know your son. Not very well, but well enough to consider him one of my closest friends. And uh, this is because of you. This friendship, my, my life's been enriched indirectly, but in God directly because of your faithfulness, your parenting. I don't even know if you've got other kids, to be honest. I don't know anything else. But I want to encourage you and say thank you for what you have invested in the next generation, which will just be multiplied into the next and so on. God bless you. Thank you. The most memorable thing about that Brighton conference when um, things were really rubbish, to be honest, um, was listening to your thing and telling, telling us that um, sometimes if you've got a prophetic personality, you don't feel like you fit in, that actually um, sometimes you're an awkward customer um, who finds it difficult to get on with people. And I just... And I was... No we were struggling in our marriage because, and I just came and said, I know why I'm so difficult. It's because I've got a prophetic personality. And thank you. Thank you so much. That's, um, I was talking to somebody about that, what you'd, what you'd said this week, actually. So thank you. Thank you. Let's just have one, one more, and, and then you're free to bring encouragements to them in the break. Greg, as much I can thank you for and much what we've talked about in terms of preaching, theology, teaching, all those things, and just been such a great influence. But in terms of this moment, I felt God would say just simply this, you turn the chapel into a church. Father, we thank you so much for Greg and Ruth. We thank you for them. And we pray for real grace to be on them in this season of transition. We thank you for these chains that aren't really chains. We do pray for real grace to transition, Lord. And we do pray for it being time to write. We do pray that Greg and Ruth, maybe, certainly Greg, will be prolific and helpful. Greg, I feel the Lord would remind you of the Gettysburg Address. Only a very little bit was said, but it's lasted a very long time. I feel God would just want to keep reordering, uh, re rebooting your paradigms that less is more now. Chains aren't change, chains. Prison isn't really prison. And this great continuum of this next season is also for the advance of the gospel. So Father, we pray for our dear brother and sister, father and mother in the faith to so many of us, we do pray for peculiar grace to be on them and great fruit, fruitfulness and faithfulness in the years ahead. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So back to the passage for, for
for all of us. How does gospel advance? Forgive me if I'm leaving out a few verses. It's a bit untidy. I just want to uh, scurry. Scurry, is that a word? Scurry? I suddenly panicked. I thought slurry. No, scurry. (laughs) Scurry's good. Scurry through. How does the gospel advance? Well, we see it advances through men and women individually being involved in mission. Please see that the great apostle Paul himself was speaking to his neighbors about Jesus. No one gets a free pass on this, right? It's our privilege. Personal mission. We're going to hear from Taryn and Donnie and Jill a little later today about personal mission. How does the gospel advance? Notice the catalytic nature of individuals. Paul, what Paul was living out, look at me, what Paul lived out, what he was doing, his personal faithfulness, his personal worship and service to Jesus, catalyzed and emboldened so many. Other brothers became more confident, more bold by my imprisonment. We embolden each other in partnership. We upskill each other in partnership. Maybe the, maybe the best session yesterday was the one from four to five, just one right at the end of the day. We had an upskilling session, had five different churches saying five different things that they're doing really well. It was world class. All the sessions this week will be online soon. But we embolden each other. We upskill each other. Why? When we don't all do things the same way. Please let it never be said that there's an advanced way of doing things. Let it be said that there's an advanced the Jesus and the Bible and principles, but let it never be said that we all do things the same way. We don't want to drink the Kool-Aid, right? We want individual churches and individual men and women breaking the line, cutting through, pioneering. We need Davids to break the line, giving other Israelites courage. We need Esthers going before the king. Oh, well, we can go before the king as well. We need Pauls taking the gospel further than it would otherwise go. Innovative ways to evangelize and disciple each other. We need eldership teams to keep improving how we're doing as eldership teams and telling each other about it. We need starship enterprises to boldly go where we haven't gone before so we can come. Do you get that? There's no catalytic magic in advance. Advance is just a name for individuals and churches who are catalytic themselves. And we all benefit from your catalytic nature. (coughs) Big-heartedness. Paul goes on to talk about how some preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love. Some do it with selfish ambition. Verse 17, what then, says Paul, that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ has proclaimed, in that I rejoice. The gospel advances through big-heartedness in the face of small-heartedness. What's Paul's response to a stingy spirit by other church leaders, other churches, other movements, maybe? What's his response? A generous spirit. Can we say that together? Please say out loud after me. When we face a, sit- a stingy spirit, we respond with a generous spirit. That's how, that's how the gospel advances. We have a generous spirit towards each other. 
we have a generous spirit towards other churches. It is such fun giving money and prayer and attention to other churches. You've got nothing to do with you. You'll never benefit from their different movement, flow, network, denomination. A scheme and dream to be generous to them in your neighborhood. Uh, towards other movements. We're so grateful for other movements. Generous towards them. Uh, be generous financially to your neighbors. Be, be the one who brings the bottle of wine. Be the one who takes around the salad. Be generous in terms of uh, in partnership. We're doing an offering later, later today. Sorry, that wasn't the greatest entree into our offering. We need thousands of pounds. <laughs> but I don't want to hype it up. It's just let's be generous. Let's be really generous. Let's give to situations that we'll never directly benefit from ourselves. Um, airfares, we try and, you know, if, if we're flying someone into a church, we always we say, can we, write, we try and do two just so they can bring someone like a wife or a kid or, or someone else. And, you know, whenever the treasurer says to you, oh, what is it, is the wife going to be ministering? <laughs> or is the fellow elder who's coming along going to be doing anything? You, you just, you meet a stingy spirit with a generous spirit. Say, <laughs> so, well, it's not about what we're trying to get out of it. It's, we're trying to be generous here. We don't have the money. Okay, how can we get the money? What can we do? Who can we talk to? There's businessmen and women in your church longing to throw down 500 pounds for someone else to, to be part of the mix or for you to send someone. A spirit of generosity. Honoring one another. Generosity. Believing the best of each other. Just keep believing the best. Whenever I hear someone saying, hearing something critical about me, I just assume it's been a misunderstanding. And just, just believe the best. Life's too short to, to meet a stingy spirit with a stingy spirit. Um, then he, a priority of prayer. This is a wonderful phrase. Look at this. He says, I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus, this will turn out for my deliverance. He, notice what he says will deliver. The Spirit of Jesus and your prayers. We, we pray a lot as a movement. We've prayed for hours and hours and hours since we, a few of us first got together Monday this week. We're going to be praying for, I think, a couple of hours in a minute. Please don't look at your watch unless you're saying it's time to write like Greg has and we want that, so that's good. <laughs> time to, time. I mean, look at your watch. Think, oh, no, there's not enough time to pray. You do see that. It's through prayers and the spirit of Jesus that we get deliverance. People breathe, Christians pray, tomato, tomato. This is what we do. Uh, big hardness, priority of prayer. And final section, quickly, lives worthy of the gospel. Verse 27 to 30. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come... And see you, or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, not frightened in any way by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but you of your salvation, and that from God. Lives worthy of the gospel, what little tidbits do we receive in terms of what that means, well, a life, a manner of life worthy of the gospel is a life of stability and standing firm. And he's quite direct. 
he says, um, listen, even when I'm not around, stand. Stand in Jesus, not on me. He's, this whole chapter is wonderful about partnership, but here he just gives a bit of an elbow and he says, listen, don't stand because of the partnership. Stand because of Jesus and his integrity in your life. And he says, even if, if I'm not around enough, even if we don't have as many gatherings as you might like, even if that, that uh, church leader or couple can't come and encourage you and your eldership team now, still stand firm. Don't bemoan the fact that they can't be with you. He says, whether I'm with you or not, stand, be stable, not over-dependent on the partnership, not over-dependent on his presence. Unity. He says, be in one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. That's really helpful. Be of one mind, like know what we're doing and let's go in that direction. But he, it's not just one mind, it's striving side by striving side by side. We can do, be too pedantic about you know, all the little bits of strategy and so on. We strive side by side, what for? The faith of the gospel. Rugby teams, I'm learning about uh, American football as well. That is a striving side by side. When, when sportsmen and women strive side by side and soldiers strive side by side, soldiers will tell you that as soon as the first shot is fired, bang goes the, the tactics and strategy and things are fluid. We're about 75 churches. We've got about 25 church plants on the go. Things are going to be very, very fluid. And especially if we maintain this kind of extraordinary ratio of church plants like one to four or one to three, depending on how you do the math. That No one's written the rule book for that. And we want to be organized, right? We'll keep trying to be organized, but that organization will keep changing. Because if God keeps being with us in the way that he is and we keep planting churches, working on five different continents, that the playbook will never keep up. But one mind and one heart and striving together, that will keep up. And courageous. A life worthy of the gospel is a courageous life. Not frightened, but bold. We need to be able to charge our local hills as local churches on our own courage. Gain courage from one another on your eldership team and in your church. We can gain courage from each other as we take the gospel further, but we're not frightened. Did you know, I found this out recently, that the sound barrier was first broken. I can't remember if this was on ground or in the air. Um, just came to me just before this meeting, so sorry I'm not prepared for it properly. The sound barrier got broken because some guy decided that when the machine he was in, plane or automobile, started to shake, that everyone else would, would take their foot off the gas. But what he did is he pressed through, he went faster. When the shaking got greater, he went faster to go through the sound barrier. And there's a courage that's necessary to, to find places that we haven't been before and do things in a way that we haven't been before. And there's no amount of data or process will get us through that sound barrier. It's just you've got to hold tight and put your foot down and trust Jesus and strive together and you've got to go through that sound barrier. It's not pretty. It's just guts in Jesus. Courage, stability, unity. I didn't plan, none of us have planned the expansion of advance. The, the other crazy thing, the first crazy thing is 25 church, churches with only 75 churches, church plants. The other crazy thing is that we're working on five continents. 
That was it's, a, it's not a clever strategy. <laughs> Haven't we heard? You, you know, you pull the bow back and then you go and you you go Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and and we've got madhouse Aussies out there and amazing brothers planting in Thailand and and North America and. Africa, and it's not just tidy in South Africa, it's Madagascar and it's Tanzania and it's Kenya. <laughs> we just got to hold tight, brothers and sisters. And I think we'll be saying this in 10 years' time. I think in 10 years' time, God willing, we'll be saying, Look, I know we haven't quite got organized yet, but <laughs> we just got to hold tight. As I was preparing last week, I felt God give me a word for our brothers and sisters in the UK. I believe God would say to you, you are a people famous for queuing patiently. (laughs) Yet I call you to break the line, break the queue to advance and step forward. Step forward as Latimer and Ridley stepped forward. When martyred at the stake, Latimer cried out, Play the man, Master Ridley. We shall this day light such a candle by God's grace in England as I trust shall never be put out. Step forward as General Booth stepped forward, who in his final address to the Salvation Army said, While there remains one dark soul without the light of God, I'll fight, I'll fight to the very end. Step forward. You are a nation famous for health and safety. (laughs) Yet I call you to be sons of thunder, not sons of health and safety. I call you, uh, I'm sorry, you are a nation blessed with a beautiful island. Yet I call you to a global mentality, not an island mentality. You are a nation famous for writers. You are a nation famous for writing children's stories. So hear this. When Winnie the Pooh saw Christopher Robin pulling on his Wellington boots, he knew that an adventure was about to happen. My people, pull on your boots again. Boots on. Step forward step up I'm going to transition to praying for the the UK I want to give a bit of space for one or two other prophetic words to help us pray for the UK we're going to pray think of a funnel we're going to pray very wide prayers for the UK now tide rising prayers come God prayers help prayers Then we'll come down the funnel and pray for some specific plants and situations that we're involved in. But let's just stay on tide rising prayers, tide rising uh, prophecies.